0: Welcome to In Focus, a discussion of current issues affecting our economy, featuring a review of the latest
1: research and analysis from the Washington Research Council. Hi, and welcome to In Focus from the Washington Research Council. This is Mary Strau. I'm joined today, uh, January 12th, the day we're taping this, uh, by my colleagues Emily Makings and Chris Showbloom. And uh, this is the first week of the state legislature's 2016 session. It started yesterday, so we've got a lot more to talk about today. Um, Emily, why don't we start with you?
0: Okay. Um, Yesterday, the Spokane City Council voted to require employers to provide paid sick leave to employees. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen the actual text of the ordinance yet because I guess it was voted on very late last night and there were some amendments. So I'm Mm. not exactly sure how it ended up. But the spokesman review reported that it would apply, it would um, require five days of paid sick leave if your employer has more than 10 employees. Mm. And possibly if, if for employers with fewer than that employees, they would have to provide three days of paid sick leave. If I'm reading the news reports correctly, that might be incorrect. Um, but apparently, there are also exemptions for construction workers, seasonal workers, um, and um. But that that's what we know so far, and I, I guess the mayor said he would veto it, but mm, apparently oh, they had enough votes to override anyway. Oh, so wow, so it looks like it'll probably go into effect. Um, mm. But the also yesterday there was a group that. Uh, filed an an initiative that would both increase the state minimum wage and provide paid sick leave mm-hmm. statewide. Mm-hmm. So the initiative would increase the state minimum wage to $11 in 2017, 11 50 in 2018, $12 in 2019, and then $13.50 in 2020. And then it would be indexed to inflation just like it is currently. Mm. Um, and in addition to that, it would pr- require paid sick leave and that seems to imply to all employers in the state. There, Interesting. there would be no exemptions or tiered levels for different sizes of businesses. My goodness. Right. And importantly, the initiative specifies that it does not preempt local action. So if a city decides that this isn't high enough, it could mm-hmm. go above above and beyond. Yeah.
1: So that would keep Seattle's.
0: It would keep Seattle's mind. and it would allow any other city to say – Thirteen fifty isn't enough. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go to fifteen.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So perhaps that might placate the fifteen now, folks, the people who are wanting maybe, the fifteen. Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe they'll want to go for the fifteen across the whole state.
0: Right. Um, but I mean, again, this hasn't received any signatures yet, so yeah, there's a long way to go before it may actually makes the ballot.
1: Right. Right.
2: Yeah, and possibly on a lot of these things, there may be. Uh, Further uh, revisions to the language that come off in The folks right. who write initiative just, you know, uh, serially submit versions of the same yeah. initiative as their out mm-hmm. language. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And there could also be action in the legislature this, this session, who knows? Right. Or pigs could fly. <laughs> 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 I mean, in the House, yes.
1: The Senate. Yeah. Not, and the House had, not, did,
0: last session, the yes. House did actually pass both statewide minimum wage increase and a statewide right. paid sick leave.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Little, I would imagine they'll probably go through that theater again. And, um, of course, not that anyone's doing this out of this motivation, but of course it's an election year too. So you mm-hmm. want to be able to say certain things to your, to your voters. Mm-hmm. Um, not that that as a consideration at all. <laughs> uh, all right. Thanks, Emily and Chris. How about you? So um,
2: yesterday we got a new um, um, report on uh, state revenue collections. Oh, monthly, nice. Uh, monthly collections report. Uh, good news here um, for the uh, the month period that started on uh, December tenth of uh, to of last year and, mm-hmm. and went through uh, January tenth of this year. Um the uh the uh, revenues came in uh thirty one and a half million
1: above forecast. Not, yeah, not that's bad. That's good. Yeah.
2: Uh the previous month better we,
1: than a kick in the shins, right? Yes.
2: Yes, yes. A the be- previous month they would come in uh sixteen million below forecast. Yeah. So this is this kind of more than offset that. And part of that uh that shortfall in last month's report uh was due to a um a failure of a uh an audit payment to come through that they had expected, oh. um, which had at that point been um, um, uh, uh, had an estimated value of three point nine million. Mm. Oh the the that automatic payment came through this uh this month and it was actually four point four.
1: Nice. So, it's like
2: finding twenty bucks yeah, in an old pocket. So that or something. that was good. And then this month also there was um the, the, even this month's collections, um um uh, there was a, a ten point eight million dollar audit payment that was expected that hadn't come in yet. So that's oh. potentially more good news. Right. Um, going forward. So uh kinda of a little bit of worry we had last month with that with the shortfall in collections, has mm-hmm. been, uh, you know, for now, um, erased. Okay. And we're running again above, uh, a bit above forecast, which right. has been, I think, the, the regular pattern for the last uh, year or so. Um, and it would be nice to see that continue. Yeah, no kidding. I, I'm, I'm not sure the funds available here will really, really make that big a dent in the McCleary problem, but at least, right. it's, at least it's not making the, the hole deeper.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, can you imagine if it was consistently lower, people would be going into panic mode, even more than they are now.
2: Yep. (laughs) All
1: right. Well, thanks, Chris. And speaking of McCleary, um, I'm going to round off the conversation with two education items. One is um, a bipartisan piece of legislation uh, that came out of the House, uh, but members of the Senate from both parties have worked on it as well. Uh, And it's not a funding plan because as We expected um, lawmakers aren't addressing any major funding issues this year since it's uh, only a supplemental budget year. Um, But it is legislation that provides a plan and might perhaps satisfy the state Supreme Court if it's approved. Um, It's pretty comprehensive. (laughs) I mean, it lays out just how much work is involved in the rest of the process of providing full state funding, uh, for basic education. And I'll post a link to it, um, online so people can read through. Um, but one of the most interesting things, um, is, and this is from the bill, I'll just read from it. Um, there's a lack of transparency in school district data regarding how districts use local levy fund, uh, uh, use local levy funds, and this limits the legislature's ability to make informed decisions concerning teacher compensation. So what they're going to do is they're going to hire, if this bill is passed, they're going to hire a consultant to go and look very carefully and get an inventory of how much these districts are spending on basic education from local levy funds versus extra stuff. So the using the local levy funds for basic education is unconstitutional, and the state will have to make that up. Um, the extra stuff is fine for them to use local levy funds for. So the hope is that this consultant can come back with an exact number. Um, as our listeners may recall, the, the number $3.5 billion has been batted around, but it turns out, as we found out uh, last week from the... Um, AP legislative preview that that's there's some people who don't agree with it and that's just a best guess so it kind of makes sense to um know exactly how much they're paying um it was interesting because the media reports and on this and there have been several um pretty critical op-eds and local papers saying that oh they're just kicking the can down the road to use a well-worn phrase and all this stuff um I guess, you know, it was interesting to me because knowing that this was a supplemental budget year, I thought that everybody would have realized that they're not going to be making any major funding decisions because you can't, I mean, we're talking about billions of dollars and you wouldn't do that in a supplemental budget year. Um, But apparently some people were surprised by that and made fun a bit of the plan to plan. Well, the reason they're coming up with a plan is because they're trying to satisfy
0: Right, I thought that State was what the Supreme Court, Court wanted.
1: Exactly, so. they wanted a plan. Um, and again, as we've noted, the $100,000 a day fine really isn't that big a deal because all that money is going to education. And however long the fine lasts, um, the legislature is going to spend way more than that in the next budget on education anyway. So In the
0: Governor Inslee's supplemental proposal, he... Uh, provides enough funds to cover the fine through January 23rd.
1: Oh, interesting. So that's okay. when it, That's
0: when it stops, Yeah, apparently.
1: yeah. All right, good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it was just interesting to see that response that some people were expecting there to be major funding decisions yeah. this year. And I mean, I think all along the plan has been for, basically for lawmakers to sort of continue their talks and to go through all... I mean, if you read this... This whole uh, House Bill 2366, all and we've talked about this before. All of the huge decisions that have to be made and agreed upon on teacher compensation, new models, and are they going to have a local labor market adjustment so that you know, in areas that are harder to staff, or you know, in areas that have higher cost of living, and uh, just there's so much to work through.
2: Yeah, I mean the the complexity of
1: this problem is breathtaking. It really is, and,
2: and I think, I don't oh, think people are,
1: fully yeah, comprehend how complex it is. No, I, I agree. That's that the the folks who
2: kind of are expecting that the legislature could just come in and do it uh, very
1: quickly just
2: uh, yeah just uh, unfortunately just don't understand fully the, what's no. what's involved in this.
1: Yeah, I mean, you have to get not only do you have to make these complex decisions among. All the legislators, but then you have to get buy in from all these different stakeholders, the teachers' unions, the teachers themselves, the school boards, the parents the, uh, you know just a whole host of people um so I mean even if the legislature agrees amongst itself then you've i mean you've got to make sure that you mm-hmm. have buy in from everybody else
2: oh, and then it, and then the, the and then Hope there's not a lot of blowback from the taxpayers. Who are going yeah, To be exactly. asked, uh, to, um, to fund this, mm-hmm. you know, even if it's um, a revenue neutral swap of property tax funds, there right. going to be large uh, winners and losers out oh, of yeah. all of that, which um, create a bunch of difficulties. Yeah, and you know, this is the sort of thing that, for the public at large, the, the, the this needs to be discussed uh, Absolutely. in detail before it's implemented.
1: Right. Um, So at least if this bill passes and they hire this consultant, we should have a, I think it's a preliminary report by September uh, 2016, and then a final report by November 2016. And that's when all hell breaks loose, I'm sure. (laughs) Well, at least then they'll have a, a number. And we'll see if it – it'll be interesting to see if it's anywhere close to $3.5 billion. Fingers crossed it's not more. Yeah. Right?
0: And again, the court's deadline is 2018. Yeah. So well,
1: that's another thing. Um, we're approaching real trouble, but it's still exactly. a lot of time. Yeah. So. There's still – because the, the 2017 session will be before the 2017-2018 mm-hmm. school year. Right. So – you know, a deadline, a if they wanted it in 2017, they should have set a 2017 deadline. Mm-hmm. But that's just me. Okay. Second, really quick, is um, today, which is Tuesday, January 12th, the Senate uh, Early Learning and K-12 Education Committee had a hearing on two charter school bills. Uh, we've talked about these briefly before. One um, it's a very Spokane-centric bill that would allow the charter schools uh, to continue under the district, and that works out under the aegis of the district, uh, which is great because for them because the Spokane School District is very amenable to um, to charter schools. Not so great for other areas like Seattle and I think Tacoma too, where The school district is not. Uh, So thus, we have um, a bipartisan piece of legislation. Senator Litzo, um, I know Representative Pettigrew worked on it, and uh, sort of a bipartisan coalition uh, of senators and House members. Uh, And what it would do is it would um, have charter schools uh, funded out of the Opportunity pathways account, thus they would not be funded from the general fund uh, and would not be taking money uh, out of and funding that was intended for common schools, which is the, one of the beefs the Supreme Court had and so charter schools would not be considered would no longer be called common schools they would still be they would be public schools, but they'd be funded out of this different funding source. Uh, and that would presumably take care of the court's concern about um, taking money away from from common schools. So we'll see how that works. It was an interesting hearing. There were a ton of uh, charter school students. Um, of course, the, the usual suspects opposed it. Um, there was also an interesting thing. We tweeted about this a little bit. One of the opponents... Um, cited the Stanford University Credo study as saying, well, Credo has found that, you know, charter schools, um, don't perform well. What he only told part of the story overall, uh, charter school perform performance, um, isn't that great. But in, as we've reported before in urban areas, they, Pretty dramatically outpace traditional public schools, particularly for low-income minority English language learner students. So that's a little postscript on that.
2: Yeah, Yeah. and these are precisely the areas where we expect them to do um, relatively well.
1: Exactly. It's
2: it's really a solution to the problems of the heavy bureaucratization Mm -hmm. of these large urban school districts.
1: Yeah. And it just, it gives them an option, you know, and that's, that's where all of the, I think all of the current, the eight public uh, charter schools uh, are in urban areas. And that's, you know, you hear from the parents and the students, they, they're not, they don't see charter schools as an option for everybody, but it's part of the answer for what ails our, our public school system. Um, So we'll see. Uh, We'll see what kind of Reception it gets, uh, I imagine it would pass the Senate, and we'll see what kind of reception it gets in the House. No, we have no word yet on when it's going to be. Uh, well, it, since it's a Senate bill, I don't know if a House companion bill is going to be introduced. Probably not. They'll probably just have it go through the Senate process, pass, and then ship it over to the House. So. All right. Well, that's all for this week. I'm sure we'll have plenty more next week. We'll keep you updated on the legislative session. Thanks for listening, and uh, have a great day.
0: In Focus is a production of the Washington Research Council, dedicated to providing timely, credible research and policy analysis, supporting economic vitality and private sector job creation. Your tax-deductible investment allows our work to continue. For more information, go to researchcouncil.org.